0: Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see all of you, and uh, happy 12th night. That's tonight, so it's perfectly acceptable for you to take your Christmas decorations down now. If you've already done it, you've broken tradition. That's okay, there's still grace in Jesus. It's fine, okay? So tomorrow is Epiphany, today is the 12th night, and you should have a feast, uh, that's tradition too. So we're gonna have small group tonight, and we always eat like royalty at my small group. So. Consequently, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, glad to see all of you here. Uh, it seems like we still got a lot of people out sick these days, so I'm just going to encourage everyone, pray for your extended family, um, that they would get well, and you can even be a little um, self-serving and just saying, help them to get well so I don't get sick, that would be great, right? So keep that in mind, good to see you. All right, uh, let me start here. I'm going to try this one again. Hang on. Maybe if I press it harder and longer. Oh, there we go. Yes, OK, yes, OK. So hey, this is you, by the way, all right? This is you. There you are, a little brown dot on a white screen. Yeah, this is you. And uh, this is your life. Now, you work hard to try to work your your life out, like a lot of people do, and you probably struggle and strive to try to make things happen, and and, um, sometimes you're successful, and sometimes you're not. And for whatever reason, like all human beings, you remember the not more than you remember the successful, right? We tend to do that. But in this particular case here, the vast majority of us treat life this way. We have ourselves and we have our life and we pursue it, we go after it, and we have our ups and downs and mostly in-betweens. We have all of that. But what would happen if, maybe, um, we invited God to be a part of it? What, What would that be like? Because I think what happens is as you connect with God, um, he begins to guide and bless what you're doing in your life. Now, this is a really simple little model to understand. But I don't think it's simplistic. I think it's actually simple. And it's an important thing to keep in mind, especially as you're kind of going in to the new year. Now, please understand, when I look at this, I'm not looking at life through rose-colored glasses here because there's still challenge, there's still struggle, there's still junk you got to deal with, but at least now you're not doing it on your own on the left side of the triangle. Rather, you are doing it through the filter of God, trying to connect with Him. You probably, uh, Near your seat or on your seat, you've got a little thing that looked like this. I would highly encourage you to go ahead and label um, that little triangle up there. I don't often do these little guides, but I think for this one, it's really important. Because I like pictures. They help me understand things. So I would suggest that if you are a visual learner like I am, to go ahead and do that. So we have this, this little model about you connecting with God and receiving His blessing, His guidance, you know for you to actually live the life that you know, He has in mind for you, what He's wired you to do, who He's created you to be, and all that. But the biggest question in all of this is how? How are we going to do that? How uh, do we go through that process of connecting with God so that we can achieve the God's... Guys- there's there's a lot of questions. There's some mechanics that are going on in here, and of course we spent a lot of last year, 2019, talking about that very thing. And so our attempt here at Thrive Church is always to f- help you find ways to connect practices for your daily following. And here at the beginning of 2020, um, I think it's a great opportunity to revisit what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think every Sunday is a great opportunity to do that, but specifically now, at the very threshold of this brand new year, to approach it and just say, okay, how might I better follow Jesus in 2020? How might I do that? How can I do that? Well, um, the, uh, the bottom line is that we want to know Jesus. Because, you know, in that model there, knowing God is really kind of the the basis of everything else. We want to know Jesus, we want to know God, and not, not just know who he is historically, although that's pretty cool. I mean, when we learn some historical things and all of a sudden the Bible begins to come to life and there's some, some great things that we can learn about that, some nuances, some textures that we may not have realized before, and that's great. But we don't want to just understand Jesus historically. We also want to understand who he is right now and he, what he means for this thing that we call life. What, what does this mean for us? I was talking with somebody just this morning. <clears throat> We were talking, uh, I, I, was, I was at Panera um, picking up our, our stuff, and there's a, a group of people who are there every single Sunday, and I've gotten to know them. And I was sitting and I was talking with this woman, and it was a fascinating discussion. And um, we were talking about what I, what I call escape pod theology. And that's where, hey, this world doesn't matter because I'm going to heaven. Okay, uh, fine, but I don't find that very motivating. Because what I'm interested in is what's going to help me get out of bed tomorrow? What's going to help me face those challenges that I have to do between now and the end of my life, right? So not just escape pod. Don't get me wrong. We're going to heaven. I'm not suggesting anything otherwise. But the point is, is that there is a reality to faith that is not just heaven, but, but heaven here on earth, there's a reality to living a Christian life, living with Jesus day in and day out. And so we want to know that type of Jesus, not just the one that we're going to meet in the sky or somewhere else or however that's going to work itself out. So in this sense, we, we actually agree with what the New Testament writer Paul writes. And here it is in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Ooh, that sounds like fun, right? Ugh. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, part of me says, you know, we, we look at this thing about participation in sufferings and nobody wants to sign up for that. But guess what? You're going to encounter that just in daily life anyway. If you haven't already, just wait. It's coming. I want to know Christ is where he starts. Paul starts with that idea. I want to know Christ. I want to know. I want to know Jesus. And then he goes on, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Remember, he's still living every single day. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of, um, uh, took hold of me. Right. So. So the idea here is, I haven't achieved that, but I'm continuing on in that process. So it's not like, you know, you, I, sometimes I think in the church we think that once we make the decision to follow Jesus, that we can't make any other great decision in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, it's not that you make one decision to follow Jesus, but rather you make a hundred decisions every single day to follow Jesus. And some of you have heard me tell this story, is that there are mornings that I wake up, And I'm very interested in me and not the three women that live in my household. And I have to choose to follow Jesus and put them ahead of me sometimes. That's really hard. Can I just be honest? That's hard to do. And I'm not the only one who faces that. You do too if you're completely honest with yourselves. Right? We all struggle with that internal, I like me. I want to do what I want to do. And yet, there are other people who rely on me to do some other things. And it's important that I do those. And so I choose to follow Jesus in those things day in and day out. And that's not a one and done, but rather that's multiple decisions all the time. He continues on. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now... There's a couple of things here that's really interesting. First of all, he says he, he forgets what is behind. And I think that one of the greatest things that actually holds us back as Christians is our past. Oh, I heard some, heard some assent to that. But I think that's what happens is that there are things that have happened to us in our past or choices that we have made that we are not proud of. And we all have them. Every single one of us. But in this passage, what Paul is saying, I'm forgetting that, I'm going to press on. Now that doesn't mean that you try to whitewash it. That doesn't mean that you don't deal with it. That doesn't mean that you don't you know, wrestle with the things that you need to wrestle with. But the point is is that those things that have happened to you in your past may have shaped you, but they have not defined you. And you need to understand the difference between those two things. And so forget the things that are behind and press on towards what is ahead, which, by the way, is, is the other piece of this. I press on toward the goal. The other thing that holds us back over and over again is we forget the fact that there's something that we're aiming at. We get distracted, don't we? I know I do. I get distracted by all kinds of things. There's stuff that I need to do, and yet let's check to see what's on YouTube or Facebook or choose your social media platform. And that's just one way to do it. There's hundreds of other things that come up and try to steal our attention, distract us from the fact that we're trying to get somewhere, that we're trying to follow Jesus. I'll tell you one of the greatest things that that, um, occurs as a distraction is when Jesus shows up. Because I've got my own agenda, and when Jesus shows up and wants me to do something else, boy, that can be real distracting but it's not. My agenda is the thing that's distracting, if that makes sense. So Paul outlines for us two very powerful things. Our past holds us back, and the distractions around us hold us back from being all that he wants us to be, who Jesus wants us to be, who he's created us to be. And that's why it's so important that we continue to connect. Now, one other thing I want you to know. It's right here. But one thing I do One thing I do. Paul doesn't say that he's going to do three things or 15 things. He says one thing. He doesn't talk about his to-do list. He talks about one thing, the one thing I do. One thing. He focuses on the one thing. So, what's your one thing? What is it for you? If there's one thing that you're going to chase after, what's it going to be? Well, here's a novel idea. Let's ask God what it what it is. Because maybe he has an idea about what you need most to pursue. Does that make sense? Maybe there's something going If he created you and he put all this stuff in you, all your hopes and all your dreams and all of your wiring and all of your giftedness and all of your talents and all of your experience. He put that all, aside. might it be a good idea to check in with him on what it is that he wants you to work on? Just a thought. I think it's, it's probably a wise thing to do. So let's ask him. About 20 years ago or so, um, our pastor, Lisa, Lisa's um, pastor of mine, taught this process. And I've been passing this along ever since. I think I have modified it a few times over the years. But what we want to try to do is ask God very specifically what He wants us to work on with Him. It's discipleship. It's just saying, you're the leader, I'm the follower, where is it that you want to lead? What's the thing that's going on inside of me that I need to deal with? What is it? So, uh, you got this little handout here. If you flip it over to the back side, you have the scripture passage on the front. I hope you underlined a few things. But on the back side, this is a simple little process. I'm just gonna walk you through it. Do this every year. And uh, we do kind of a mid-year check-in because this is really important method of discipleship. Um, <clears throat> it's one that I use, um, have. Some years I've used it a little more effectively than others, I'll be honest. Um, but I think it's, it's worthwhile pursuing because it's relatively simple in its process. So the first thing that you, uh, you do in all of this is you select a theme. You fill that in there. And I've given you a list of potential themes. Now, <clears throat> a couple comments about that. First of all, this list is not exhaustive. In fact, some of you, as I was talking about asking God, about what he wants to focus on this year, you already have a word that has popped into your head. Some of you have already experienced that. Others of you are going to look at that list, and one of those words is going to pop out at you. Okay, so you select a theme. Here's how you do that. First thing you do is pray. Dear God, help me find the thing that you want to work on this year. What's my theme? What is it that you want to do this year? Where do you want to do your work? And then read through the list. And my guess is one of those is going to pop out at you. It's quite literally the Holy Spirit highlighting that thing for you, that word or phrase. Um, so keep that, keep that in mind. So you ask God to reveal it. You read the list over. Which one jumps out? And then what I want you to do is I want you to write it down somewhere. You can write it. You can circle it on there. That's fine. But if you have a journal, you might want to write it down. Or if you've got uh, sticky notes or something, write it down. And then my suggestion is, is that you go look it up in a dictionary. You have a dictionary on your phone. It's on the Internet. It's dictionary.com or thesaurus.com. And what you want to do is you want to find all the words that are related to your word. Because one of the things that I've noticed when I do that, um, there might be another word that's a little bit stronger than I need to see. Um, if If you want to get technical about it, we're creating what's called a semantic field so that you have an idea of the different words that are related to your word to broaden your understanding of that. And you might be surprised, and it's okay to be surprised. So go to a dictionary, go to a thesaurus, go to all those things you learn how to do in school, right? Go back and do that and try to get an understanding for what that word means. It takes you 10 minutes, promise. It doesn't take you real long. And then the next thing you do, novel idea, go see if it's in the Bible. Go see if there's something about that word that's in the Bible. Now, um, I notice the first word on here is adventure. You may not find the word adventure in the Bible. I don't know. I've never looked that one up. But I know you know there's some adventure stories in the Bible. Let me give you a clue. Jonah, kind of an adventure, right? Paul's missionary journeys, an adventure. Basically the entire life of David. Lots of adventure there, okay? So the point is is that you want to go into the scriptures and find some places that actually coincide with your word or your theme for the year. Keep that in mind. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of caution because I know what can happen because it's happened to me, it's happened to a lot of people that I've met. <clears throat> Some of you are going to look at that list and you're going to say to yourself, "I got to work on all of these." <laughs> all right, my experience with this is that the Holy Spirit will highlight one, sometimes two, and on rare occasion, three words. Anything more or anything overwhelming is not from God. You need to ignore that. So it may be true that you have all those things to work on, but God's not going to highlight all of them because it's overwhelming. And, and, and this is a typical, typical uh, strategy that the devil uses. He makes you think that you got to deal with all of them. Because if you, if you believe that, then you're not going to touch any of them. And that's why the spirit comes along and says, no, we're not going to work on those today. This is the one. This year, this is the one I want you to work on. Or these two, on rare occasion, three. For some people, it's a phrase, I've noticed. Uh, last year was the first year I had a phrase. I don't know, I've been doing this off and on for 20 some odd years. And I usually typically get one word. Um, Last year I got a phrase. Never had that happen before. That was interesting. Uh, This year I got two words. And now I'm still trying to discern, okay, Lord, is there one that's taking precedent over the other? And I need to ask him and and have that conversation with him. But very clearly two words kind of jumped up as I was going through this process. Okay? So all I'm saying is is that um, you you continue to check in with God about these particular things and allow him to define them. But if you find yourself being overwhelmed by the amount of choices, that is not from God and you need to ignore it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Really important little feature to this. One, two, rare occasion, three, that he'll highlight, unless it's like a phrase. Um, Sometimes it's a phrase. And some of you know exactly what that is already. It's already popped into your head. You need to pay attention to that. There's a reason why that popped into your head. And when it does, then you go back and you ask the Lord, is the Lord, is this the one that you want want me to work on? This is the one that I think it is, but I, I, I need you to, to help guide me in this. And he will, I, I do believe that he will help you do that. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. Now, here's the, the next step. So first step, select a theme. Third one, or second one is to build routines. And I think that over the years, this is the place that I probably have fallen the most, or um, let me rephrase that. When I've not been effective, it's because I've not built a routine. So let me talk about about the routine. First of all, the idea here is to keep that word or phrase in front of you so you don't forget. Because if that's the thing that God wants to work on, you want to keep it in front of you. And so one of the things that you can do is, is obviously write it down. But write it down in a place where you see it. Um, take a, um, a dry erase marker and write it on your bathroom mirror so when you're out of the shower and everything's all steamy, you're going to see it, right? Or you'll see it in the morning. Write it down on a sticky note and put it on your dashboard of your car. Put it on your computer at work. Put it whatever, wherever it is that you look regularly. Try to find a place to take that word, that phrase, those couple of words, and stick it up there and just leave it there. And here's the interesting thing. If you leave it out kind of in public for yourself, you'd be amazed at the conversation starter. Hey, how come you got that weird word on your computer? Well, that's the thing that guy's working with me on this year. Wait, what? Now, you got to be prepared for that conversation, but the point is, is that it's a, it's a great conversation starter. So, you have to build some routines into this, and part of it is, is that you've got to revisit that. So, put it in a place where you can revisit it over and over and over and over again. Uh, for me, it's in my journal. I'll, I'll probably have it on my, um, my bathroom mirror and a couple of other places. Um, but try to keep it in front of you at all times. Um, and that's kind of building some routines about it. So maybe one of the things you could do is uh, once a week on a Sunday, you know, or whenever you do your planning for the week or whatnot, and just to simply say, oh, yeah, I got that word. And just keep it in front of you. You know what it means to keep something in front of you. I'll let you decide that because you're all adults and you can do this. But the point is, is to keep it in front of you so build some routines. Third is to form a team. <clears throat> form a team. Okay, so who's going to encourage you in this? Because Jesus didn't make us to do this stuff alone. So who's going to encourage you in this? Um, maybe it's your life group. Um, maybe it's a close friend or a confidant. And what you do is you simply say, hey, you know what? I've been trying this discipleship exercise. I have this theme for the year. Here's here's the theme. Um, would you mind checking in with me about that? or ask them to pray for you about it. Hey, would you pray for me about this now? Let me give you a piece of advice. Whenever you ask anybody to pray for you, okay, this is is helpful. The best thing you can do is to say, Hey, I would like for you to pray about this. Would you mind doing that once this week for me? And here's the reason why. If we leave it open-ended, one of two things will happen. Either the person will pray for you once and then forget all about it, or they're going to feel guilty because they're not continuing to pray for you. Right? So make it easy on them. And just say, hey, I've, I've got this word. My word this year is adventure. Uh, apparently I'm going to be taking an adventure with Jesus. Would you, uh, would, you mind, um, would you mind praying for me about that once this week? And then, you know, four or five weeks from now, Find somebody else and say, hey, you know that exercise we're doing at church? About Here's my word. Would you mind praying for once this week? See what happens, right? Because most people say, oh, yeah, I I can do that once. That'd be great. Now, flip side, if somebody asks you to pray, there's a really easy way to remember to pray for someone. You want to hear what it is? Pray for them right then and there. I will often do that. Hey, would you mind praying for me? Yep, let's pray about that right now. Because if I pray about it right now, it's fresh in my mind. I have them in front of me. I can put my hand on their shoulder. I can pray for them. And then, if it's a one-time only thing, I don't have to necessarily remember it. And I will tell you right up front that if you ask me to do something on Sunday morning, there's a very good chance I'm going to forget to do it. Right? So, Other human beings are like that too. So if somebody asks you to pray, it's a great time to do it right then and there. And don't be afraid to do that. They're asking you for a reason because they trust you. It's not just happenstance. They believe that you can intercede on their behalf before the throne of God. So um, take that to heart. Be flattered, be scared, whatever it is you need to be, but pray. But sit down right there and pray. It's a great way of doing it. So, but build a team. Find people who will encourage you. Um, someone, um, and when someone asks you, say yes, please, you know, try to do that. Um, we've got some people in our life um, that, you know, we go to when there's some some prayer things going on. Um, Lisa's got a couple of friends that she regularly texts and say, hey, we're going through this thing. And they text her back, hey, I'm going through this thing. And they all pray for each other. And, you Who's gonna encourage you? And here's an interesting thing, is if you can't come up with somebody who you think can encourage you, you might wanna check in with God about that one. Does that make sense? Because God doesn't expect you to do this on your own. Discipleship is always, at some level, a community type of affair. So if somebody says, um, asks you to pray for them, if somebody asks you to check in with them, say yes, because you're gonna benefit you're going to benefit too. Almost always. Every time somebody asks me to check in with them and I find out how they're doing on their thing, I always feel better because if they're making progress, then I'm like, yes. Because if, if that person can make progress with their relationship with Jesus, there's a good chance that I can too. It's encouraging when other people are continuing on. So <clears throat> select a theme, um, uh, build routines, form a team, and here's the, here's the final one, is watch the time. So we often talk about this, a theme for the year. But here's what I've noticed. Some themes don't last a year. Sometimes they last just a few months. Because God's working on that thing with you, and you've made the progress that he wants you to make, and it might be, it might be done. Other times, your theme lasts more than one year. I know Pastor Dan's got that one going on. His theme last year carried over into this year. Very clear to him. And I've had that too, where I've had a theme that has gone more than one year. Um, it's not because I'm slow, okay? It's not because you're somehow like not where everybody else is. It's no, 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 no. God's doing some deep work, and he wants to do those things. Or maybe something happened this last year. You got distracted. That's okay. God has got a God of grace, and he is willing to take as long as he needs in order to form the image of Jesus in you. One thing. That's so all we're doing, one thing. And so that's okay. It's, it's important to remember that, watch the time. Um, I've noticed just in my own life, as soon as I, know, um, I sense that one theme is beginning to wane, that another theme is beginning to rise. There's almost always some kind of overlap. I can't explain it other than, you know, I, I see one and I'm working on this one and then it begins to kind of, Reduce, but something else kind of comes and takes its place. Sometimes they're related, sometimes they're completely different. But for me, I've noticed that there's always some little bit of overlap. Because, you know, here's the thing. Every person has another step to take with Jesus. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter. You still have another step to take with Jesus, and he's always got something he's going to want to work on with you. And so when one begins, when you begin to actually get that thing and be formed in the image of Christ in that particular area, don't be surprised if another one comes up to take its place because Jesus is interested in you. He's interested in you. So keep that in mind. Watch the timing of all of this. Um, don't get in, into that habit of, well, this is my theme for the year. I can't have another one. Well, no, you might be done. It's okay. You know, you're know, you checking in with God. The point is not the theme. The point is being with Jesus, Right? That's the whole concept here. So, um, select a a theme, um, build routines, form a team, and and watch the time. Four simple steps to do this. Keep it in front of you, keep it in front of you. All the time. Now, there are lots of discipleship tools out there. Lots of them. Um, This just happens to be one of them. The point is, Use one I don't care if you use this one or not. I just want you to use something. I find this one effective. Uh, it's been helpful for me. Um, two things though that I think I need to t- to comment on before we, we we leave this here's the first one. Maybe you've tried this thing in the past, and for whatever reason wasn't as effective as you wanted it to be, and you're looking at the sheet and you're going again. It's that time of year again. And you feel guilty for not doing it last year or the year before that or the previous five years or whatever if you're feeling guilty. By the way that's not guilt. That's shame. And it has no place in your life. Ignore it. Jesus has not moved. And he doesn't care if you haven't done it in the past. He's only interested in what you're going to do now. He wants you to be formed in the image of Christ and so You can, if you fell off the wagon, you can always get back on. It's not moving that fast, okay? So keep that in mind. And shame is a tool of the enemy to keep you from doing it again. Because I don't know about you, when I feel like I'm, you know, have some guilt over something or some shame, the last thing I want to do is actually do it because I'm setting myself up for failure. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is interested in you and being in relationship with you. And so get back on the wagon try again. It's fine. He, he does not mind. He's in it for the long haul. Question is, are you? So there's no guilt here. There's no shame. The other thing too, and I, I got I to gotta say this, um, I know some people who have really embraced this process who have seen some powerful growth in their own lives. Uh, if you don't believe me, I would be happy to connect you with them. Because there is one thing for the preacher to talk about this stuff. It's something else to have somebody go, yeah, I did this, and I'm better for it. i got people that you can talk to right now that would be delighted to tell you a little bit about their story, about how Jesus changed their life just by choosing a sim- one single word. And they just focused on it and focused on it and focused on it, and they got there. And some of us on the outside looked at their lives and said, yep, Jesus did a work right there. And we're so excited for you. So keep that in mind as well. So it's Family Sunday, and um, Family Sunday we do communion um, every time we gather, first of the month. And so in the back um, we have uh, uh, bread and juice. Uh, There's a gluten-free option. I think it's on the right side if I can see it. Uh, it's on the left side if you're looking at me, stage right if you're on the stage. It's on this side, okay? <laughs> but it's back there. But there's a gluten-free option, and there's regular. But here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to, to really think about this. When you take the element, because remember, remembering Jesus in this, right? Do this in remembrance of me, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But when you're remembering Jesus, the thing I want you to remember is he did this for you for not some time in the future, but for right now. And as you take the element, as you take the bread or the, the cracker and you dip it in the juice and you, and you put it in your mouth, I want you to ask him, God, what's my theme for this year? What's the thing that you wanna do? And, and it may come to you as a bolt of lightning, it may not. But the point is that you're asking. And to do that at that moment where you're remembering Jesus because he's remembering you at the same time. And there are things that he wants to do in your life. And there are things that he wants to, to poke around in and change and mold and shape and teach and all of that. What a great time to do it when you're communing with him, just saying, God, is there something you want to do? On the night in which he was betrayed, he was uh, having dinner with his men, his disciples. And he took bread. <clears throat> after he gave thanks, he broke it. And he passed it to each of his disciples, and he said, Take and eat, and when you do, I want you to remember me. And after the supper, he took the cup. Again, a common element would have been on the table. And after he blessed it, he passed it around and said, take and drink. And every time you do, I want you to remember me. And so as we remember Jesus, we're going to ask him the simple question, God, what's my theme for the year? What is it that you want to work on in my life? I'm your follower. You're the leader. Lead on. Where is that? That's what we're going to do. Thrive Church, we have what's called an open table. That means if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. We want you to participate in this. If you're not, um, you don't have to go back. That's fine. Nobody's going to look at you funny. That's okay. In fact, there is some evidence to suggest that if you take the elements and you're not a follower of Jesus, that it might be detrimental to you, and we don't want that for you. Uh, but as Dan comes and he leads in worship and we sing, um, when you're ready, go back choose your gluten or gluten-free option dip it in the juice and ingest it ask your question but do it when it's meaningful for you i say this often but i th- i think this is really important um you can you can go right back if you want to it's fine the whole point is is that this is between you and your savior make it meaningful for you at some point in that song, maybe there's a word or phrase that cap- captures your attention. I don't know what it is. And you're just like, yeah, now it's time to go back. By all means, do that. I've noticed that there are some families who will break off and take communion together. That's cool. You can take it back to your seat. You can do it right there. Whatever you want. Again, this is between you and Jesus and we want that um, to make the most sense for you. But please, as you do, ask him what it is that he wants to do in your life in 2020.